and welcome to the next episode of our Tilney Investment Podcast. I'm Charlie May, Investment Director from Tilney's London office, and I'm talking with Ben Seager-Scott, our Head of Multi-Asset Funds. And we'll be looking back at what was an eventful month for markets, discussing the UK's outlook against global equities, and assessing the impact surrounding Ukraine. We are recording the podcast from our homes today on Thursday, the 3rd of February, 2022. But before we begin, here is some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carry varying levels of risk, depending on the geographical region and industry sector in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. Well, hello, Ben. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Charlie. Happy New Year. Welcome back and and all of those bits. So looking back at January to start with, uh, the UK recorded its biggest relative return in 20 years versus global markets. And perhaps why investors have seen disparity between their own portfolios and the UK markets. Do you mind just running through what exactly happened and why that was? Well, January was a really interesting uh, month. We often get this. January can be pretty volatile, both up and down. There is this sense that, you know, it's a new year. People are looking afresh. A lot of people have come back on holidays, caught up with with any of the news during during some of the silly season. Historically as well, sometimes you have a bit of a Santa rally and sometimes January can be a little bit of a time to take stock. So some of those are the broad market um, psychological factors. But this year, we had some sort of much more structural bits to to get our our teeth into. Um, So a lot happened in January. I I won't sort of um, um, unpack it all. But the key themes, uh, of course, is that equity swooned. So the global equity index was down. So down minus 5.2% in January. But it's the details within that that I think are are a lot more interesting. And it's really, if you look at it, the areas that have been leading for the last year or so that have really felt the pain. And of that top level, so down about 5%, if you split the global index between those more growth-orientated companies, particularly a lot of the, the, the sort of tech names, growth stocks are actually down minus 9.3. That's almost approaching uh, correction territory, the technical threshold of uh, of 10%. Now, we're in the first couple of days of February, so they've bounced a little bit. But for January itself, it was the growth names down, uh, down quite painfully. Compare that to the value stocks that really have been unloved. Value stocks fell just minus 1.4%. So there's a big dispersion within that. And that's reflected in the sectors. So sectors can often drive uh, high-level performances. Uh, and actually, when you look at markets were down uh, in aggregate, there's so much detail. It really depends where, where your particular portfolio was positioned. Energy had a really good month. The energy sector in aggregate, looking at a global level, actually was up just over 15%, 1.5 for the month of January. Um, financials also just about positive, so pretty good areas, and those have been beaten up uh, over the last year or so. Conversely, tech and uh, consumer discretionary really bore the brunt. They were down 
uh, 8.5%. So um, tough sectors to be in there, but obviously that comes after a period of, of sort of extensive uh, good performance. And I think if you consider those sectors, actually that's what's, what's built out a lot of the regional exposures. And sometimes what drives markets, if you look at, say, the UK or the US, sometimes there's factors specific to that country. Um, sometimes it's driven more by global factors and a reorientation of the sectors, um, <clears throat> which is a long way of saying, if you look at the US, obviously uh, an index has done very well over the last couple of years, but it's pretty tech heavy. So the US really disproportionately suffered. It was down 5.3% over the month of January, whereas the UK, which obviously has a lot of financials and crucially oil and gas firms, oil and gas really uh, at the, the top end of the market and driving it. And we said how well uh, energy stocks had done. Uh, the UK was uh, was in a much better shape overall, down just minus 0.4%, so less than a percent down. And a lot of that driven by by the difference in sort of sector exposure, some of the style exposures. And most of that was driven by the changes in, in monetary policy. We've seen a big shift in the last month or so. Now, hopefully, that won't surprise any listeners to this podcast, because what we've been talking about consistently over the last year are expectations that rates would start to rise either late last year or early this year. We've kept saying, you know, this, this old idea of, uh, of the Greenspan put that central banks will just ride to the rescue and, and, and introduce stimulus uh, whenever it's needed. That's probably gone away. And what we've been trying to warn about, as we have looked towards economic reopenings, central banks, particularly given where inflation is, really have to start increasing rates and don't have a huge amount of options to do otherwise. And our expectation continues to be that excluding particularly extreme events, uh, even if there are these, the, these headwinds, central banks are now on a hiking course. And over the last month or so, we've had more rhetoric from that. So central banks, particularly the Fed, the Bank of England as well, signalling that the monetary policy is going to tighten, which means increasing interest rates and perhaps some scaling back of some of the quantitative easing and these money purchasing um, or asset purchasing programmes in effect. And that's likely to continue. There's a little bit of a finessing of that message that probably needs needs to be done. I think markets are a little bit uh, sensitive at the moment and arguably over overreacting to, to what are often quite anodyne uh, comments from central bankers. There's a lot of volatility uh, coming out of that. And if you just look at the benchmark that we use, the 10-year UK government bond yield is up 33 basis points uh, over the month. So now if you look at the 10-year government bond yield, it's firmly above the 1% mark at 1.3. And there's a lot of that. Uh, that's been driving what happened to markets in January. Yeah, thanks for that, Ben. Um, continuing on from that, then, is this just a short-term correction, do you think, or is it the start of a turning point that will continue over the long term, do you think? Um, I, I think that, that, well, there is a bit of a, a, a bit of a shift in play, but I don't necessarily think it's, I'd be cautious of considering it a, a long-term switch. I think, um, you know, taking a case in point, let's, let's talk about, say, the UK, US and global. Obviously, the UK has had a, a, re a really good month, so I think you, you highlighted earlier. And that comes after a long period where the UK, driven by those energy names and, and the other factors we highlighted, they've really been uh, tough places to be, certainly during the early parts of lockdown. Uh, their valuations 
uh, have have meant they've been looking cheap for quite uh, a long time. And perhaps now a period of catch up is due and some of the, the global economic developments, both in terms of monetary policy and the ongoing uh, reopening of, of economies that may well have provided um, a catalyst. So I think there is some scope to say any of those names that have been doing disproportionately well, particularly those, those stay-at-home lockdown names, perhaps they'll come now under a little bit of pressure. And obviously rising interest rates are generally not good for those more growthy names. Uh, partly for technical reasons, um, interest rates tend to penalise earning expectations in the distant future more than they do shorter term earnings. So that could be a source of pressure as well. So I think in the short to medium term, there could well be a bit of mean reversion, some catch up for areas that uh, perhaps are, are reasonable when you have rising interest rates and economic normalisation that have been held back for, for a while. So maybe a little bit of a boost. But I do think it's important to, to look through that to the longer term. And, and perhaps some of this catch up, areas that have perhaps done a little bit too well, if not coming under pressure in terms of falling, perhaps not doing as well as, as, as other parts of the market catching up. But I think it can be dangerous to, to try to look at these trends and assume that they will extend into the in, into the future. So I think it's much more sensible from my point of view and, and the way I look at portfolios. Um, look at some of the unloved areas that have medium-term catch-up. That's more of a sort of tactical basis. I think it's much more important on, on a longer term. Really, it is about focusing on companies and sectors uh, that, that one thinks will do well and take a, a more global view. I think particularly look at the UK, it could well be, a little bit of a catch-up. So think about that tactically. But as we look more broadly, um, I think the UK makes up a relatively small part of, of the global market. And if you are overexposed or very heavily exposed to the UK, you've just got to say to yourself, am I happy limiting myself to this relatively small opportunity set or potentially are there opportunities uh, in the, the much wider global set, particularly if you're looking for uh, for, for specific companies and uh, taking views on sectors, it can, in the longer term, make sense not to restrict yourself too much. Yeah, thanks for that, Ben. Um, sticking with the UK, you touched upon it earlier. We're expecting the Bank of England to announce today an interest rate rise of another 0.25%, meaning we'll see the first back-to-back -back rate hikes since 2004. What might that mean for the UK economy? Thanks, Charlene. And as you say, we're once again in that awkward position of recording the podcast about half an hour before we get the actual announcement. So lots of, uh, of risk of looking uh, very stupid very quickly. Um, but, you know, I, I think the probability at the moment is, is, is much higher than it was before that we're going to see uh, another hike. And the, the Bank of England is largely reflecting what we're seeing in other central banks, uh, so particularly the Fed, to some extent, the European Central Bank, there's a bit of nuance there. And again, it continues the theme, but accelerates the theme that, that we've talked about. So it's clear another interest rate hike is almost certainly um, on its way. And it's, it's something that we haven't experienced for the best part of a decade. We haven't had a proper interest rate hiking cycle um, really since before the global financial crisis, a little bit a few years ago, um, but that was very limited and was uh, was quickly reversed. And I think it's clear that interest rates are, are going to rise and central banks, the barrier for them to stop it to not proceed on this course of action is, is pretty high. And I think a lot of people therefore are worrying 
will interest rates uh, choke off this this economic growth? And certainly that can happen if interest rates are are hiked aggressively. So I don't want to say absolutely nothing to worry about. But I do think we need to put this in a little bit of perspective. And part of the reason that we're not too worried uh, about this hiking cycle, and there's several uh, reasons for that. First and foremost, you know, the majority of this movement that we've seen and all this rhetoric, a lot of it is in the short end. And as we've said before, a lot of the, the discussion is, is it going to be moved as we you know, go back 12 months? We're probably thinking, or markets were certainly pricing, maybe later in 2022. Even a few months ago, people thought the Fed and Bank of England wouldn't hike until maybe the second half. But now it's loaded into the first half. But as one looks at asset prices, one tends to look a lot longer term. We highlighted before, there's a reason that our, our sort of benchmark for, for yields is the 10-year. That's the sort of time horizon that when you're looking at a, a series of cash flows, it's that longer term that's more important. There hasn't been a huge amount of movement um, at that long end. A lot of these expectations have been brought forward, but really it doesn't matter to a greater, to a particularly large extent whether it's this quarter or next quarter, as long as we know the direction of travel. And it's also worth highlighting, you know, everyone has expected rate hikes for, for a while now. A lot of that is now in the price. So a lot of the talk is in this sort of what's going to happen in the next few months, the next 12 months. Most people are quite resolved that in the longer term, rates are going to be sort of higher than where they are now. Um, so there isn't a huge amount of movement on the most meaningful part of the yield curve. And a lot of that is uh, is priced in. The other thing to highlight is it's important. I, I would guide against just taking this rate and say there was like last month, this month, next month, and just extrapolating that almost in a straight line. Say, oh my lord, you know the, these rates are going to get really eye-watering uh, very soon. Um, you highlight quite rightly that this is is a back-to-back hike. But it's worth caveating that with normally central banks hike in quarter of a percent move, so twenty-five basis points. The last one was only a half move. It was 12 and a half basis points to 25 basis points. That was basically a half move to get back to what is normally the lowest you go. 25 basis points is the lowest that the central bank has, has pretty much ever gone. And in the depths of the crisis, they then did a half move emergency exceptional measure. So last month has really, you know, bring it all, sorry, last meeting was bring it back to the normal base level and now they're starting to hike but 25 basis points uh, at a turn is not particularly dramatic on the pathway that we're looking at some some talk largely in the us has said would we see a 50 basis point move if the bank starts to get uh, very stressed and again i think that's just um reading too much into what the central bankers have been saying i think there were some comments that you know if it were appropriate they'd be prepared to do it but actually, subsequent to that, I think many central bankers have pushed back, saying, you know, that saying we can do it if we have to is not indicating that we think that's needed at the moment. And I think that's right. And as we look, you know, we have a lot of we've got Bloomberg terminals, we've got uh, Refinitiv terminals, other data market terminals are, of course, available. And we have a lot of in- insight that we can see what the market is pricing in. And yes, it's pricing in quite for the UK and other areas, quite a rapid hiking cycle from here. But importantly, it looks like a sort of short sprint and then a plateauing off. So, you know, as I look at the screen now, currently base rates uh, are 25 basis points this morning. 
they will probably be higher than that this afternoon. Market, the market is expecting uh, that policy rates will be around about one and a half percent this time next year. So that's in the sort of three to five that people have been talking about uh, over the last uh, over the last few months. Um, so you know that that would be what five hikes. Um, to, to get us to, to that upper level from where we are now, um, which sounds like quite a lot. Um, but then it plateaus out. And actually, there's not much change expected between one year, two year and, uh, and the three year outlook. And actually, as we said at the top, where are 10 year uh, yields at the moment? Well, they're around 1.3. So not far off the one and a half. And that's the market expectation in one sense of where the average interest rate will be over the next 10 years. So that one and a half percent, the market's expecting from near zero to that level very quickly, but then uh, a flattening off over the long term. And, you know, I, I think that's worth highlighting. It's not an environment that we've had to deal much with before, but it is, uh, you know, a long way off the three, four, five percent that one would really start to worry about. And if one does think that inflation will hang around about slightly above the two percent target, that we expect, it's worth then remembering that real interest rates, that is interest rates after the effects of inflation, will still be negative. So I don't think it's anything um, necessarily uh, massive to worry about. Um, I think what's the other thing to, to factor in as well as interest rates is what they do with quantitative easing. Um, so that's now stopped. But it's worth remembering again, Quantitative easing is put into the system, uh, but then it continues to roll over. So when you have this, this mass of assets, when government bonds mature, they've been buying a lot of government bonds, when they mature, you get cash out. The current programme takes that and then reinvests it. So it keeps sort of propping up some asset classes. The expectation is also that, that central banks, possibly today from the Bank of England, will announce at some point they'll start to, to reverse that. That will most likely start with when that cash uh, comes out, when, when bonds mature, instead of reinvesting it, they will just take it out of the system. That's a gradual roll off. If they wanted to go further, they could start actively selling some of those bonds. And again, that reduces a little bit of liquidity. It makes life a little bit harder. It acts a little bit as a, of a headwind. But more broadly, you know, a lot of companies, particularly in the large cap space, you know, there are still pockets, particularly in, in travel and leisure, They've had a very difficult period, so you know, not not discounting those entirely. But in aggregate, most corporations are are in pretty good health. They're able to start deploying capex, reinvesting for the future, and growing quite well. They've been able to borrow very cheaply up until now. So from that point of view, interest rates getting to one and a half percent is not anything I'm I'm excessively worried about. Hiking into strength at a time when the economy is recovering, I think actually. When we look through it, is could be seen as a positive. Ultimately, the economy needs to be able to stand on its own two feet. So, if they can do a series of hikes, but not to a particularly high level um, into economic strength, I don't think that's anything we need to excessively worry about. It's only if there's overreaction or if events start accelerating that we need to worry. So that's what we'll be watching very carefully. But as it stands, you know, I, I think a lot is in the price and actually economically it's probably a sensible place to be. Yes, thanks for that, Ben. Well, we predicted that 2022 was going to be another volatile year for the markets, which is proving the case so far. Could now be a good time to increase exposure to medium and small caps, perhaps? 
Um, I think when one thinks about mid and small caps, typically they have what we say, well, in the jargon, we say that they tend to have a higher market beta. That tends to mean they magnify uh, movements in the broad in the broader market. So when markets are rising, they tend to do better. And when they're falling, they tend to do worse. And that, that makes sense. I mean, smaller companies are more sensitive. It's a lot e- The rationale goes, it's a lot easier for a small company to double its profits when things are going well than a huge company that had, that's already very established equally when times are hard it you know that those earnings can can be uh, can be a little bit more volatile as well so when one thinks about it where do we think markets will go how do we think the economies are, are, are reopening from here and i think if we do see this economic recovery coming through then mid and small caps would be expected to to benefit from that as you say the volatility is is, is the thing to to think about and if we do see those bumps in the road these areas will will, will be expected to suffer but i think it always makes sense to have a blend of exposures large cap but mid and small as well and that's where a lot of value could be added particularly if you are uh, you know using an active manager those that can find those good companies there are understandably fewer mega cap and large cap names there's a lot more smaller medium-sized companies there's a lot of undiscovered gems that that skilled managers can can use find and add value from but you do get that that volatility what comes with that is greater variability so being selective is key there's a lot more companies in there there's gonna be some that are a lot better some that are a lot worse so there's that that added factor as well so i think if we do see economic recovery coming through if people have just been holding um larger mega caps i always think it is worth thinking about the opportunity set in some of those smaller medium-sized companies and a blended approach um it could, could often make sense i think okay thanks ben and finally a key headline recently has been the rising tensions surrounding ukraine what are our thoughts here and how might that impact investment portfolios well clearly like all big geopolitical events it's one to keep a very close eye on what's happening with with ukraine uh, and reports of, of russian troops messing on the borders uh, it's something we're going to keep a very close eye on as we do with all geopolitical events. But I think it probably helps to, to step back and consider this in a broader context because you know every couple of years, sometimes every year, we do have the these big geopolitical concerns. They grab a lot of headlines. And of course, they can have an impact on markets. So uh, I, I don't want to give people a sense that, that I think it won't have any impact. But I think more importantly for me, the reality is these geopolitical events are simply too difficult to to reliably forecast. Now, if it were to happen, it would almost certainly have a, a big negative impact on sentiment. So impact anything that is a risk on asset, uh, particularly equity markets may well get hit as people worry. Um, and uh, obviously, Russia being a, a big player in the energy market, uh, particularly being a huge exporter of natural gas to Europe is going to have an impact. It could put up with pressures in some parts of, of, of the energy market. So I, I think we, it's relatively easy to, to think what would, li- what would likely happen in markets were that to happen. But I think the problem is um, moving portfolios can also carry risks with it as well, because, you know, like I said, these, these events are simply too difficult to predict. No one really knows which ones will erupt. And for every geopolitical incident that does happen, there are many that don't. So being positioned for something 
then doesn't materialize and can also be harmful to portfolios so i would say keep an eye on it as generally the as generally is the case i think the best approach uh, boring perhaps but usually the right one um is to to keep your portfolios diversified and wherever possible i try to be uh, diversified against any of these binary exposures that's predicated on something either happening or not happening you know, there's so much uh, variability and, and known unknowns, unknown unknowns. I think being positioned for whatever does or doesn't happen in uh, with Ukraine uh, is is perhaps something to avoid in portfolios. Keep it diversified, take a long term view, and I think it's important to to just consider one's own risk profile. Make sure that you're invested in line with that risk profile, um, so that you can weather any downturns without doing too much damage to your portfolio. So um, one to keep an eye on very hard to predict, uh, keep diversified. Well, thank you for your comments, Ben. They were insightful as always. And that concludes today's podcast. We will be back again with a new episode. If you have any feedback, questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at tilney.co.uk. Thanks for listening.